Business Done Better by Workspin. Okay, welcome to Business Done Better by Workspin, our podcast to share valuable insights and best practices that can help your business grow and avoid costly mistakes. We're your hosts, I'm Eel Lee. And I'm John Rabel. And today we've got a special guest. We're excited to have Marshall Rabel, Director of Sales and Marketing for Hubbard Peanut Company. Um, family business since around 1954, uh, located in Sedley, Virginia. And he's just going to join us and sort of have a conversation about where they got started, where they are now, maybe where they're looking to go a little bit. So Marshall, great to have you on. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Marshall. Absolutely. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me. It's an honor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you guys have, I think, a pretty cool story. Third third generation family business at this point. Um, started out basically with your grandmother in her kitchen and has grown significantly since then. You want to maybe give us a little rundown of sort of how you got started? Sure. So uh, my grandparents started Hubbard Peanut Company back in 1954. Um, my grandmother was a school teacher um, and she was looking for a little um, for gifts for friends during the holidays from college. And so she had a unique recipe for cooking peanuts. And so she would go into her father's farm and handpick the biggest, plumpest peanuts that she could find and had a unique way of cooking them, um, which is now coined blister fried cooking. So she, she was taking the largest peanuts she could find and had a unique way of cooking them. She would give them to friends during the holidays um, at when she was a school teacher and then people started asking her for them and so she was like okay well she started cooking them more often and my grandfather was like hey you know I think I think we've got something here so so HJ started taking Dot's peanuts to the local hardware stores and the pharmacies um, at the time planters was the only game in town and they were selling like nickel bags of planters peanuts but HJ wanted to sell Dots peanuts for a dime because he thought they were twice as big, twice as good, which commanded twice the price. Um, and so they started they started real small batch locally like that. Um, and then kind of because he was a purchasing manager at Union Camp, which was the paper mill here in Franklin, um, he had a lot of contacts from all over the country. And so he started giving them to people at the mill and then it just kind of spread that way, um, real grassroots, word of mouth. And so we, a mail order business was soon born after that because people would start ordering them. And, you know, this is before zip codes, before credit cards and all of that. So it was, it was a real unique kind of direct to consumer business model back in the, in the 50s and 60s. And for all of our listeners, we're, we're going to get that secret recipe, right, Marshall, at, at the Absolutely. end of the show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, uh, I think, a very great story about starting out. It's a very organic way to get going, I think. And um, I can imagine figuring out a lot of things as they went in those oh, days. Absolutely. I mean, it was, you know, now we have the term side hustle. And this was a, a true side hustle for my grandparents back in, well, really until the 80s. You know, they were, my grandfather was working two jobs um, for a long time. Um and so now that's a pretty common term, but what wasn't so common, I don't think, was that it was a, she was a female entrepreneur, really, in the 50s, which is pretty remarkable in this day and age to think about that, you know? 
Yeah, I remember from the website, um, reading the the backstory there too, that HJ was, he was an accountant. Well, he was in, in the military, came home and he started working um, as an accountant. But um, with those skills in hand, I mean, he, he developed a lot of the processes for DOT and the business, um, really kind of supporting her. And, um, you know, apparently a lot of these processes still exist today. So that's a great skill because I'm, I'm a former accountant as well. And, you know, I like to think that we have a myriad of skills that can help out <laughs> in many facets. So that's 100%. really cool. Yeah. We yeah, just I recently hired a finance manager who's my right-hand woman. Um, it's really important to have somebody to oversee and control all the aspects of the business on the day-to-day side. And he really was instrumental in getting those processes in place. Um, I think... Which, which obviously was, was helpful to grow the business. Yeah, and correct me if I get this story wrong, but you guys also made some innovative steps early on in terms of production, right? Used some resources, connections you had to help you design and develop some equipment for your um, plant and to make things way more effective and sort of put things in place to help you scale up as the business was growing. Sure, exactly. So prior to uh, Dot and the blister fried cooking, um, uh, Planters was dry roasting peanuts. And so the way that Dot would cook her peanuts, she would soak the peanuts in in hot water and then cook them in oil. And so basically she was just using like a a fry ladle, like you would fry French fries or or something. But uh, HJ worked with some local um, engineers here in town and developed a continuous cook process, um, which which was something we still use today, which has allowed us to really scale and grow um, the business. So we have we're cooking right now one long shift, probably from six a.m. to four p.m. Um, but it's it's a continuous cooker with the batch batch process as opposed to hand frying each batch, which I think some of our competitors are still doing. But that that equipment um, obviously was was huge for scaling the growth of the business. Yeah, and I think it's it's cool that you were sort of getting a little creative using some, you know, local relationships that you had and people were there to able able to help out as you were starting to grow, growing more. And honestly, we're still we're we're putting in a new production line right now, but we're um, we've got quotes from major companies for some of this packaging equipment, but we're still going to be working with local metal workers to design our filling machine and our hoppers and things of that nature because it's just we, we have those relationships and they do a great job and it's a little more uh, cost effective to, to work with some people, you know, that isn't necessarily equipment right off the shelf, but they can do it. And it's just as efficient and effective. So um, that's something we still, we still do to this day. Nice. So I guess we're going to hop forward a little bit now. I think you guys also did something that was pretty unique, which is you opened up sort of what you would say your first storefront, in the middle of the pandemic, um, you know, what was it like having to yeah. do that process? So for the last 12 years or so, we've known that we've needed to expand our operations. We needed more warehousing and shipping space, and we wanted to put in a new production line. Um, and we've always had a little store out in Sedley, which is this crossroads country town, um, and it's really in the middle of nowhere. Um, but while we were researching, um, expansion opportunities, Farm Fresh, the grocery stores closed in Virginia, and there was a, a large 
um, store in Franklin right off of um, Highway 58, which is a major thoroughfare between Norfolk, Virginia Beach and I-95. And so we negotiated purchasing this building. It was a lot more space than we needed. It's about 60,000 feet. We were looking to expand to about 20,000 additional feet. Um, but because we had the infrastructure in place from this old grocery store, they had the Starbucks counter, the, the customer service checkout area. We, we turned the front end of the grocery store into our retail market called the Hubs Vine. And that is something we started renovating in January of 20. Um, and then obviously the pandemic happens in March and we're full swing ahead with, with putting up walls and, and renovating the space. Um, and we ended up opening this market um, in September of 2020, um, which obviously was a, a strange time to um, open a new retail experience. Um, but fortunately, you know, it, we've got about 7,000 feet of this retail space. So we were able to kind of have this soft opening that was spacious enough for people to come in and feel fairly safe, you know, to be able to spread out and have their own table. Um, but, um, you know, it's a, it's a great market and it's something that we, besides just selling peanuts there, we've got, well, because it was the grocery store, we had the deli and the bakery and we had a lot of equipment, um, and so we opened up a little cafe for a restaurant. Uh, we start, we sell local craft beer and wine and other Virginia products and um, a, a variety of gifts. And so it is a, a, a totally new retail kind of operation for us as well that we opened in, in the middle of the pandemic, um, which obviously had a lot of challenges operationally, having two spaces, having to hire new employees and such. So it's it's been great. We're still trying to figure out kind of what our baseline numbers are like. We've seen as things have begun to open up over the last 30 to 45 days or so, um, some more traffic, which is good, but we still don't really know exactly what it's going to look like. And it's been challenging trying to navigate COVID for sure. And, and before you opened up, was there ever a moment, you know, maybe during the summer or something where you thought, you know, maybe this is not a good idea to open up during the pandemic because things were just progressively getting worse at that time, but what kind of kept you guys going? Well, we had already started to invest in all of the infrastructure. We, like I said, we had right, started putting right. the walls up. We'd hired, we'd hired people, and so you know, we were like, "Well, let's let's just give it a, a shot." And it's kind of been a, a blessing. It's it's not our main source of revenue, you know. It's uh, it, it's for us. I think the vine is about brand building and and growing our awareness locally but also just for a, a customer service and customer experience perspective, I think it gives our brand an elevated kind of identity. Um, but our main purpose is to, is to sell more peanuts. And um, that space, I think, um, has allowed us to get people in the door um, and, and grow our brand awareness. So I, I, I think it's still somewhat of an experiment. What, what all the vine is going to be, is it going to be a, a music venue one day where we're doing dinner parties and having musicians come in and having, you know, weddings and events, or is it still just going to be this mellow marketplace? So we're, we're still trying to navigate exactly what it is, but um, for us, it, it's, we've known we needed a, a more of an enhanced retail space. And so the retail side was, was always kind of uh second fiddle to just growing peanut sales. Um, and so it wasn't like we have to make it or break it on the retail space, you know. But so I think you made an interesting 
point there, right? You're still at the end of the day of peanut company and nothing with the vine was going to change that. That wasn't part of the plan. But I imagine opening up a retail spot like that is still time consuming. And I think a challenge a lot of businesses face when they're expanding in one direction or another is, you know, how do they balance some of that? So, you know, it's got to be something that's on your mind, how you balance your time, making sure you're devoted to your core business, but still making sure that the vine gets the attention it needs. Uh, well, it, is, it has been an incredible amount of time to open the vine and, and taken a lot of our energy. Um, fortunately, we have, I think, an incredible team and we were able to move our, our operations manager who was in Sedley for the last 30 years, running our production, maintaining our facilities over there. And he moved to Franklin um, and kind of managed that process um, as far as all of the all of the contractors that we're dealing with from HVAC to any kind of contractors that we're having. He's been phenomenal as a point person to, to lead that. And then we had brought in his replacement about three years ago. So he was um, already in place and comfortable to run our operations in Sedley. So honestly, I, I can uh, attribute all of the success of the last year to having a great team um, that's been able to kind of lead, lead this charge, but it has certainly been um, eye-opening to having a retail experience where we're dealing with customer service issues on was the ham sandwich good or not. You know, it's like things that we've never had to deal with um, and just in hiring people and, and during this time in particular, I think employment is, is challenging. Um, we've been really fortunate to have, have a great team that's come on board um, and, stick, and stick with us through it. But, but yeah, it's, it's super complex um, and adds a, a, a totally another dynamic and dimension to our business. Um, and I, I guess hopefully we figure out how to, how to manage it. But we do spend a lot more time than I think um, at the early stages than I think we want to as far as looking at the big picture as a peanut company and what we really want to be. This is a side of it that just started. So it's taking a lot of effort now, but hopefully we get to a place where it's functioning without us as much. Yeah. And something a bit more passive than, than your core business. And I think the lesson there being it's really important when you get to a certain level to make sure you've got a solid team in place to start pulling some of this off. And I think you mentioned the employment situation being what it is now. A lot of businesses are having trouble keeping employees and finding new ones when they leave. So, you know, focusing on your culture and making sure you're building a team who's buying into everything you're trying to do is probably becoming pretty invaluable at this point. I would say it's our greatest asset. We have been very fortunate to have extremely low turnover. Uh, we just had our first kind of employee outing um, about a, about six weeks ago, and we were going through all the people who had served over 20 years, over 30 years who had been with us, who's even folks on our production line. And sadly, we've got Stella, for example, who's been there 43 years. Her daughters are both wow. on the production line. I've worked, I've worked in the shipping department with her grandson. So we're a family business in ownership, but also with our entire team. It's, it's, there's been a lot of people who have bought in to what it is we're doing. I think people find pride in the fact that we um, 
really a representative of this of this region in, in a way as, as a Virginia peanut that's sent out all over the country. And I think people, I think we do take care of our people. And I think that's, that's important. And, but that's a, um, you know, you can't really do anything without surrounding yourself with good, loyal people that you can trust. And that's something that I can't say enough about our, our team and how valuable they are to our success. How many people, how many employees and staff? So we, we have about 20 um, full-time and then we have a year-round part-time crew that's about another 20 mm-hmm. folks. And those, those uh, folks are coming in a couple days a week, January to July, and then July to Christmas, they're, they're working pretty much full-time hours. Um, but we had our largest uh, payroll in December at 73 people, which was 20 more people right. than we previously had with, with the complexities of the vine and having to hire folks on the retail side, the coffee bar, and then the cafe and additional shipping. So that our largest, um, we had up 73 people. Um, and so that's, you know, ideally over the next couple of years, I think we're getting to a place when I look out over the, over kind of like a three to five year vision, I think that we're almost ready over the next three to five years to bring in that year round part-time crew to full-time. And that's something that if, if folks want to be full-time, I think we're getting close to being able to offer offer that. Um, it's still, it's, it's on the horizon, but that's something that I'd like to see happen over the next several years. Have you ever thought about expanding outside of Sedley and Franklin, you know, to maybe another location in the Midwest or maybe even all the way out West just to kind of expand well, its, its presence at all? From a, from a retail side, I mean, most of our business, we're 70% direct to consumer. So people come to our website we're shipping product all over the country right now already. Um, and so we have a, a pretty strong national presence online um, and in market. So we work with um, regional grocery chains. I've got a, um, an account out in Portland, Oregon. We've got a, a regional chain based in Denver. We've had stuff in LA. So we've had and in, in, in Texas. So we have a national footprint as far as kind of brand visibility right. and, and wholesale partnerships. But for the most part, we're, we're still direct um, to consumer right out of Sedley. Now, and most of our stuff is, is being shipped east of the Mississippi. But, you know, it, we could, if you theoretically have a, a shipping distribution center somewhere out in west, but I don't think it makes sense at the moment. Um, so we, we, we rely heavily on, on FedEx and UPS and some of the shipping carriers to, to be our, our partner there. So interesting being direct to consumer, I imagine something like this is top of mind for you a lot. A lot of the ways you get in front of that consumer are changing. For example, I imagine internet sales was a huge change and opportunity for your business. And so, you know, you stay on top of those types of things like social media has become another way to get right in front of them. Yeah. And and it's challenging. Um, I think it's something that we, we don't do as well as we could right now as far as, as social media management. And, and um, it, that's something that I would like to, to develop. I've got six proposals on my desk right now um, for, for kind of outsourcing some of that uh, because it is, it's so valuable and so important, especially to the younger demographic. Um, but, you know, we were a direct consumer brand since our inception. Um, you know, that's something my grandparents started doing. And, and so when COVID hit for us, we already had the existing infrastructure in place to ramp up 
direct to consumer sales. Um, we, we fortunately had a, a, have had a strong year because of that. And um, we have been spending energy and, and efforts on, on trying to get in front of our target customer um, for the last several years that I, I have been doing for, from a marketing standpoint. And I think some of that uh, brand building and brand awareness helped drive the traffic over the last year um, because people were at home. We do, we're a plant-based protein. It's a healthy shelf stable food source. And I mean, as far as peanuts go, they, they really are as good as it gets. And so if people like peanuts and, and they need a, a sustainable, nutritious snack, you know, we, we can, we can make it happen pretty quickly and we have the infrastructure in place and we've got great customer service. And so we, we were able to thrive in this during this time. Um, but there's obviously an opportunity to, to amplify that, but where it's challenging now, like I've got, like I said, I've got these proposals on my desk. Um, and I think that I, I know some of the we can do to, to drive even greater revenue um, and growth, but supply chain becomes quite a challenge right now. Lead times for some of our inputs are a lot longer than they used to be. We, 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 our our um, peanuts are going metal cans, for example. Um, if we're having trouble getting steel or, and, the, and they're not able to print our cans or get the metal, then how do you grow at a rate that, uh, that works with your supply chain? And so if you're not to get the supplies you need in time, you only can grow at a, a certain level. So you don't, you don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. So like, like growth, but at, at what kind of rate? And so it's, it's a, it, that's the biggest balance and challenge now for me is looking at, okay, I know what we can do, but if I can't get cans, I can't get boxes, oil's delayed, peanut supplies is, because we're only using the super extra large peanuts. So if, if any of our inputs aren't there, then at what point, you know, where's the ceiling? And it's, uh, that's, a, that's a challenging balance right now. So do you find yourself when, when you're able to get your hands on uh, supplies that you're kind of, you know, getting more than you need and, and, and hoarding a little bit? Um, you know, I've heard of um, many manufacturers, you know, kind of doing that. And that's also squeezing the supply chain also, but, you know, businesses have to do what they have to do. And if they have to, you know, purchase supplies and, and in a reserve capacity, then so be it. Is that kind of where you find yourself too at times? Yeah, we have, we actually have a warehouse full of toilet paper right now. So we're, we have <laughs> been hoarding for a long time. <laughs> um, no, we, uh, um, we're doing, we're getting what we can, you know, and, and when we can. Right, right. Um, so we're, we're kind of, we're, we're in the process of contracting peanuts for next year's harvest. And I think we're planning on, um, bringing in more than we did this past year, just, just, so we can grow, but then that, like I said, if the can manufacturer doesn't have the metal, they're starting to allocate resources to their customers and they're cutting off customers. Even FedEx is cutting off business mm -hmm. right now, which is crazy. You know, like they're saying, ah, we got to take care of our, ma our major customers. Like we can't take your account right now. Right. So there's only so much hoarding you can do. It's, it's. Yeah. <laughs> it's and, and the cost of these supply. supplies are going up too. This is the craziest year on uh, cost increases and price increases that I've ever seen. Um, we've had inputs that are 30% from last year, and it's and it's wow. really crazy. And then we, how much can you pass that on to the consumer? Um, how much of a hit on your own margin can you take? 
Um, right. and so those, That's are, those, are, those are exercises we're doing right now. It's like, okay, well, we probably need an 18% price increase, but maybe we can get away with a 10 uh, or an eight, you know, it's a, and then we'll just eat the rest and see if volume helps. It's, those are, those are the discussions that we're having right now. And it's, right. Uh, trying to ride it out until these price fluctuations and kind of uh, stabilize and minimize a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's tough. A lot of that hits on something we've talked about often and with other businesses. A lot of times businesses get in the trap where it's like grow at all costs um, without taking into consideration what their constraints are, whether that be their own time or external materials that they need to service that. And they don't take the time to think that they'll never get back what it costs them in damage to their brand. Uh I totally agree. I'm, de I'm definitely not of the mindset to grow at all costs. I mean, we're, we're 67, eight years old right now, and it's been very slow, methodical growth, which has been nice for our family. Um, and I think we could, we could increase that clip a little bit, um, you know, from a 3% to a 5, 7, 9%, but I'm, I'm, we're never looking for this kind of hockey stick exit strategy growth. Um, because like you said, like the damage that you do, if you, if you can't deliver, on the product, then you're, you've, you've lost as a brand. And it's all about your brand and, and keeping the brand integrity and identity. And our, that's something my grandparents were, you know, attention to detail and quality at every turn is, is paramount to the success of this business. And that's something that was part of their founding strategy. And it's something that we continue to um, try to implement in our day to day. Despite the fact that we're growing, we're still trying to grow at a at a clip to where we can maintain our core values. Yeah, I think that's it's about that balance. I mean, we've had conversations with business owners about how quickly they can damage their brand these days. Between the internet and social media, it's not like it was. It, only one little thing needs to go wrong before potentially it blows up. Yeah, yeah. and that's that's really frustrating too. Like the reviews. I mean, we we're fortunate. We've got you know we've got almost five stars in on Facebook, on Google, on. Amazon, but in those one, that one bad, that one bad review where the customer didn't receive the product from in time or something that was out of control, but it's like, yeah, how the negative impact one bad review has now, um, you don't, you don't know how impactful it is. It's, it's challenging. It's a totally different era right now on how customers, well, customers expectations and how quickly they'll, they'll move, you know? Well, sure. I mean, you can spend 24 seven solely on customer service. You know, which, which you are doing anyway in the back of your mind and, and everything that you do. But, you know, so often um, a lot of companies could spend, you know, just a full-time person just working on damage control, you know, especially if they, you know, they dig themselves into a, a, any kind of hole. Um, you know, these things tend to get magnified, especially this day and age with social media, um, with things just kind of running rampant. So that, that's an important thing to certainly keep, you know, to be mindful of. You know, measured growth is... Um, I mean, look, you're, you're still growing and it, you know, you don't need to grow at an enormous pace, you know, but it has to be a measured approach and it has to be, um, you know, successful at every step. And that's important. For sure. You know, I'm sure that dot and HJ would, um, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I wonder how, what they would think about the operations today, you know, versus, you know, what they thought about, uh, way back when you, do you think they ever envision that it would be sort of this big and, and continuing to grow? Yeah. Well, so, you know, 
it was always a kind of direct to consumer business and they've always been about maintaining the highest quality and standards and attention to detail where we are today, you know, my grandmother at one point discussed having a roadside kind of cafe where people could come and buy their peanuts and also get some hand biscuits, you know, but what we've done, I think over the last 20 years on the national landscape with the, with the regional marketplaces all over the country, with some of the marketing partnerships and initiatives that we've done now with the PGA even, um, or Arnold Palmer golf manager. My grandmother played golf, but I don't think she envisioned being uh, necessarily on her logo on TV, you know, on at a PGA event. Um, but that's, that's our awesome, target. Yeah. <laughs> that's our target. Our target demographic and our target audience. And so it it, it fits with what she liked and did. Um, but I don't think she necessarily thought that, that would happen. She's, I'm sure they did not think that we would become chocolatiers and, and put in a chocolate and roving line and, and really expand our production to where we're not just cooking peanuts, but we're enrobing them in our own chocolate. And we're becoming a co-manufacturer and a, and a, and a partner for other folks in the area. So we're, um, you know, we're doing, we're doing private labels for a lot of, a lot of companies um, that um, I think share our values, but I, I think, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I, who knows? I hope she's, I hope they're proud <laughs> of where we are and what we've done. Um, you know, they definitely put, put us in the right place and, and had a vision. I'm not sure that they had the same vision. My grand, my grandfather and grandmother, you know, I think, right. um, you know, everybody has different ideas of what a business can be and what they want it to be. I know that I, I'll let my mind go crazy on where we can be. Um, and I need to be reined in sometimes, <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, but it sounds I, I, like you guys have stuck to their their core values and business principles, and that's kind of been sort of the guiding light uh, for the company. You know, so you know if they didn't envision what it could be like today, at least sticking with those business principles and values, you know, that's that's what's driven the company. Absolutely, uh-huh. yeah, and that's awesome. I think every business needs to have those, um, you know, as sort of like a guiding a guidepost. You know, if they have nothing else. Um, you know, that way you don't, you know, if you get lost or wayward, um, it's a way to kind of come back at the focus and, um, you know, a lot of successful businesses have those in place. So it sounds like you guys do as well. We're, we're trying. It's, it's, <laughs> and I can vouch for those chocolate covered peanuts. Cause when, when I was living in New York, you know, my wife and I got uh, a, a gift basket of hubs peanuts. And I'll tell you, th- those things are gone in like 60 seconds. <laughs> So. That's awesome. And then hopefully, <laughs> like now that we're bringing that piece of the production in house. So prior to this, well, this is this fall is going to be the first time that we've vertically integrated that entire process. And so we were cooking the peanuts and sending them to a partner to enrobe in chocolate. Um, and, you know, that obviously has its, its own complexities when you're dealing right. with um, other other players. But now we're going to be able to control that process. And I think the quality, consistency, uh, availability is going to be better now than it ever has been. So um, we'll have to get you some new chocolate covered peanuts. And hopefully they'll be gone in 30. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think what you guys have built up is amazing. I think a lot of business owners would love to create something that gets into the third generation. And obviously you weren't around at the very beginning, but I'm sure you've heard some stories, any like, 
quick tips you'd give people on sort of starting something and building it up to where it's sustainable? Surround yourself with good people um, yeah. that, that share that share your values and vision um, and that you can, I mean, if you've got, be a cheerleader for, for them, um, but have a, a well-articulated vision and, and standards and values and surround yourself with those people, you know, because that it, it's, you need a lot of help. <laughs> yeah. Cause like you said, I mean, it's, it's, it's a family business, but you know, everyone involved is like family. So you yeah. have to surround yourself with, the, with really good people. You know, I had yeah. a guy who we hired a year ago. I was talking to him in my office yesterday, well, earlier this week. Um, and he was like, you know, this is, he'd only been there. He, he does, he's kind of a jack of all trades. He's, he runs our bag and machine. He does stuff in the warehouse. He was painting the walls at the vine. You know, he was like, you know, this is the first time I, he's 43, four years old. He's like, this is the first place I've ever worked where I really feel like I'm part of a family. And I was like, man, that's, you know, and you, you've only been here a year. That's, that's really great. And I think that that says a lot about the culture, not that I've implemented or it's just part of something that I've gotten to be a part of as well. Um, and it, and it is, I think it's, when you hear that from folks that have just kind of started, it, it makes you feel good about what it is you're doing. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Marshall, this has been great. Thank you for joining us. You want to take a quick second, give yourself a plug, give hubs a plug, tell people where they can find you. Sure. Well, I mean, I really do appreciate the time. I mean, you can find us on at hubspeanuts.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram at hubspeanuts. Um, if anybody has any questions or would like to reach out, I'm, I'm available. My email is just marshall at hubspeanuts.com and um, would love to chat to anybody and, and bounce ideas around. So uh, we do appreciate the time and opportunity and, and uh, look forward to continuing to follow y'all's show. Yeah, that's awesome, Marshall. Thank you for being on the show. And let's try to get some more foot traffic over there at the Vine. Um, they're in Sed you're in Sedley, Virginia, and that's probably about, what, 75 miles south of Richmond or so? Yeah, we're about we're about an hour and 15 minutes okay. southeast of Richmond, uh, 45 minutes west of Norfolk. The Vine is actually uh, in Franklin. It's a, it's a right off the Armory Drive exit, which is pretty pretty easy to get to. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to make my way back there at some point. Get some of those chocolate-covered peanuts for sure. <laughs> Look forward well, to having you. Well, thanks again for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, for everyone listening, um, as usual, we get a lot of our ideas from, from listeners. Uh, please keep them coming. Um, I think something that Marshall said um, about surrounding yourself with good people, um, we've got a show coming up about hiring, right, John? Um, right. That was something that one of our listeners wanted to hear about. So we'll get that on the next one. So great. Thanks again. And we'll see everyone later. All Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Business Done Better by Workspin. And as always, we love to hear from our listeners. So please send us your topic ideas for future episodes to Eel, that's I-L at workspin.io, and John, J-O-H-N at workspin.io. See you next time.